I have been thinking a lot about these questions about like what is considered horror and what scares us. And so far from our conversation, I'm getting the sense that because you're right, Sylvia, even the stories that are seemingly about the ghost or the monster, ultimately it's about the humanity, the human behavior in that, right? And I think that it, it seems to me what really scares us is like the human mind that begins to fall apart <laughs> and becomes uncontrollable and unhinged and like it can no longer be managed or, you know, reasoned with. And I think I see that sort of being a thread in a lot of these stories when like whether it's our own mind or the mind of others that we can't predict, we can't rely on to be sound. Hi everyone and welcome to our Halloween episode of Bookish, a casual book club. I'm joined as always by my esteemed colleagues and English professors, Laura Yu and Dr. Kofi Adisa. Hi guys. Hello. Hey. <laughs> so today yeah, we're talking about cool. spooky stories or scary stories. And we thought this might be a fun episode given that we're recording in October. And, you know, we were talking about your like favorite kind of, or an interesting scary story that you've read recently or that you wanted to read. And so We've each come prepared with our own little story of sorts. I think, Laura, you tried to read a novel, but I mean, a tad oh, yeah, bit didn't work. for that. <laughs> so let's start with a question that I think, Laura, you asked uh, that you thought would be a really interesting kind of way to frame our conversation. And that is, what is scary? Like, what is scary <laughs> to you? Because I think each one of us chose maybe something slightly different according to our different definitions of scary. So I chose one that had to do with like an actual little monster in my story. Um, but there are some other ones where it's like a, like Laura, you were saying like it's a dystopian setting and that's scary or a political reality that could be scary for different reasons. What are the stories that you guys uh, chose? Let's get into it. Yeah, I, I actually was going to read because I've been wanting to read Shirley Jackson's we have always lived in the castle and like I've had this book for a long time on my shelf and I guess it's a short novel and yet I could not finish it. I couldn't, uh, I just didn't get it done. And it's not anything about like the book being good or bad. So um, at the last minute, I did Google some like short stories, like horror short stories. And I was very surprised to actually find such a wide range of topics that are covered on if you, co you know, there are tons and tons of lists of like best top 10 horror short stories or novels or whatever. So I settled on reading something by Stephen King called Survivor Type, and then added a really, really short story by Ray Bradbury called The October Game. And they are mm. both stories that are I guess horrifying because of the horrible human behavior. <laughs> mm -hmm. So uh, Survivor Type by Stephen King is about this guy who gets stranded on an island. And, you know, long story short, actually short story short, because <laughs> it's not a long story. <laughs> he basically eats himself to death, I suppose, right, at, at, at the end. Um, and you're kind of, it's in the first person, and you kind of are witnessing this horrifying, a, a person basically breaking down, falling apart, and what a person resort, is able to uh, resort to, thinking that this is how he's going to survive. So it was 
it was horrifying. But, you know, I wouldn't have guessed that kind of story to be counted as horror. Like when I think of horror, I think of ghosts and monsters and maybe more gore. And the other story, Ray Bradbury's story, is like a little bit more like Shirley Jackson kind of, like the lottery kind of a story where this it's a very short story it takes place on the halloween day and this father of a family ends up committing a horrible i don't know crime against his daughter a uh, little daughter and it's it's horrifying <laughs> in that way right so both of these stories have to do with the horrible ways that humans, the, the horror that humans are capable of, maybe, I don't know, maybe that's why it's scary, like people are scary, you know what I mean? And the older I get, I do feel that way, that people are scary. <laughs> yeah, so, but generally, I can't do, like, ghost stories, they scare me, I can't watch ghost movies, but I did listen to the survivor type on audiobook, as well as reading it, and that was interesting to hear, sort of, the how the, the actor reading the book, uh, reading the short story represents that, that character. It was horrible. <laughs> uh, was it horrible that the actor was reading it or was it horrible that the story was horrible? <laughs> Sorry, I um, guess I shouldn't say horrible. I should say horrifying, I guess. Yeah, that's uh, a better yeah, word yeah. form. Yeah, it was horrifying. <laughs> yeah. You know... The interesting thing is I kind of took a totally different track. I, I went to the classics. I went to um, The Telltale Heart by Edgar Allan Poe, which, because we're in Maryland, it seems apropos. And it's one of those stories that continues to resonate because it's it's kind of about madness and an obsession and, you know, a, a violent crime all rolled up into this really short story. And then I also read a, a Rose for Emily by William Faulkner. Again, it's one of those stories that, you know, when you're in high school or maybe even your first year in college or a lit class, you're tasked to read this story and it never gets old, but it's always mysterious. Why would she be in the bed with a corpse? And again, I think it, it speaks to a kind of madness that Faulkner was dealing with in terms of the South and the decay and the death of Southern ideas that Emily may have embodied. And then I ended with something a colleague of ours uh, mentioned, uh, One Happy Hour. His name is Lamont Vaughn. Shouts out to him. And it's A Day of Absence by this poet named Douglas Turner Ward. I had to make sure and I get the name right. And it's about uh, a place in the South where suddenly all the Black people disappear. And again, you know, the people are reduced to a kind of madness, especially the mayor. And he tries this appeal towards the end to, to get the, the black people to return because they don't know how they disappeared. They don't even know why they disappeared. They just know they're gone. And so in all three, I, there's this, this sinking into madness and this, this obsession with something. And when it came to uh, Poe, his character was obsessed with that. We call the evil eye or the vulture eye of the, the old man that ends up being killed and decapitated. Sorry if I'm spoiling it for those of you who've never read it. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> sorry, if that's, if that's really blowing your tops right now. Uh, <laughs> and then, of course, with A Rose for Emily, it's so interwoven with the history of 
in Emily's family. And you have this town talking about her as well as talking about her history. And so it's, it's all three are just interesting stories. Now, are they scary? No. Is there levels of suspense? Yes. And I think they speak to a particular time period in which, you know, there was a stronger American reading public that may have found these stories haunting, you know, and the play, you know, it's 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 much more of a lampoon of uh, 60s culture, especially in the civil rights movement. But it is also, you know, this sort of sinking into madness. And I, I think that in a lot of horror stories, especially those like with Stephen King and many others, madness becomes the most horrific thing because it's it's something that gradually occurs and it never seems to stop. And so, yeah. And you, yeah, Sylvia? The... <laughs> so I think the... I might have read one of the more traditional types of scary stories where there's like a monster involved, but it does, now that you mention it, Kofi and Laura, like there is an element of, it's really about humanity and like madness and, you know, how people behave or like lose all sense of reason and civility. And, you know, some of that is in order to survive, which kind of happened in this story that I read, but also you have to keep your wits about you as well in order to survive. So um, I read this story that I assigned to my um, creative writing students called Free Jim's Mind by Tanana Rifdu. And I actually um, first came upon the story via a podcast, um, LeVar Burton Reads. I don't know if you guys know that podcast. I love it because it's literally just LeVar Burton reading like various <laughs> stories. And much like from my childhood days of reading Rainbow, his taste in literature remains chef's kiss, you know, like he is still <laughs> impeccable in his selection and his curation. Um, and he's just such a great reader. I just love listening to him read. So I first heard him read this story like a couple years ago. And I was like, oh, I have to um, share this with my students and his podcast, because in his podcast, like at the end of the story, <laughs> he ends it with this like maniacal laugh that's purely LeVar Burton. He just goes, <laughs> and that to me is like the best type of like, you know, can't be horror story, but Tanana do, you know, I got to hand it to her. Like, the woman can write. Um, she, you know, when you first read it, it basically the synopsis is about a, a, a pregnant slave who's running away with her um, Native American husband. And when you first read it, you're like, oh, yeah, I don't know if I want to, you know, read another type of this type of story. And, you know, it's kind of been done. But the, the horror element to it is really interesting in that they go to seek refuge with her uncle Jim whose nickname is Free Jim because he famously convinced, you know, his owner at the time to give him his freedom basically. And they never thought that would happen. And so they suspected that Jim had done something, I don't know, magical or maybe supernatural. He had a bag of mojo, right. That um, he was famous for. And they think that he, it was this mojo he, that he used to convince and basically cast a spell um, in order to buy his freedom, but he became very wealthy and, and you know, he owned a mine, hence for the title of the story. And really the story takes place in the span of one evening and um, they ask Free Jim for refuge for the evening so that they can hide out from, I guess, the slave catchers who are trying to, you know, capture them and, and they're pursuing them right now. 
And that in and of itself, I think, is the horror too. And so it's like horror, different types of horror layered upon each other, but they go and they they hide out in this mine, which has basically become semi-flooded from all the rain that's happening. And over the course of that evening, let's just say not everybody emerges from the mine, uh, either alive or in one piece. I'll just put it at that. I don't want to, I'm not like Kofi. I'm not going to give you all a spoiler alert, okay? But um, the way it ends is just so like succinct and like, it's just how a perfect ghost story should end. You know what I mean? Where like there's, there's a little hint, but no explanation. You just, it relies on the reader to kind of piece some of these things together. It won't fully answer it for you, but it's just, it's really interesting. So I read that um, and there is a, there is a, a monster involved, but it does actually, now that you guys are mentioning, you know, have to do with these questions. Like, you know, what, what are you willing to barter? Are you willing to even barter your soul, right? For freedom for what and so it's really interesting what each of those three characters um lottie uh, who's the protagonist the narrator her uncle jim and her husband william it's interesting to see what they're willing to sacrifice in order to get what they want and uh what they're not willing to sacrifice as well so i really enjoyed that but i will tell you the very first story that ever scared me i remember reading I remember reading like R.L. Stein. I don't know if you guys read those types of stories too, but mm-hmm. the real story that first scared me was a Poe, was Edgar Allan Poe. Someone got me his like short stories or maybe I bought it when I was like, you know, middle school maybe. And I remember I, I read Mask of the Red Death for the first time. Oh, and yeah. It was like, late, yeah, it was like late at night in my bed and I was freaked <laughs> out by it. And then when COVID came back around, I was like, I was like, it's real, it's happening. You know, like the idea that... <laughs> Like the plague can be embodied and like this evil person is following you around. I'm actually, I'm, I'm realizing that like stories that have to do with pursuit really freak me out. Like, I don't know if y'all saw that episode of Lovecraft Country where the little girl is being chased around by those two. Um, oh, yeah. Twins. Oh my God. That gave me nightmares for <laughs> straight. I was screaming. I could not, I cannot stand chasing, like chasing things, like things chasing me or even a slow pursuit, it's somehow the slow pursuit is even scarier. But as I was reading this, I was curious, like, what was the last story? So like or Halloween. Yeah, basically, trick-or-treaters, my worst nightmare. <laughs> what was the last story or, or thing that you read or watched that really, like, genuinely scared you and why? I would say, if you don't mind me going first, there is one book and one movie I will never watch again, and that is The Exorcist. Um, <laughs> that is the one. I, I know there's been adaptations of the movie. There's been like somewhat remakes of the movie, but I remember being a kid, and 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 my mom used to love reading those types of books, like you know a lot of Stephen King's books. Um, I can't think of the the author of The Exorcist, but she she really loved reading those types of books, and. You know, I just happened to, it came on television, you know, this was in the 70s, so I'm a, I'm a bit older, and they would have these TV movies that would scare the life out of me. And The Exorcist was one of those movies. Uh, those It was supposedly edited for television, but the vomit scene, the head turning, I mean, it terrified me, it, and, and it still terrifies me. 
years ago when I was not being the teacher, but I was somewhere else and I was in an office and it was late at night and they had the maybe the 25th anniversary of the movie or some something like that. And, you know, I call myself being brave because this time the internet was fairly new and they had the trailer with the Linda Blair possessed face. And I scrolled them. I accidentally hit the mouse and it scrolled over the face. And then this voice said, I am no one. And I freaked out. (laughs) I'm the only one in the the office. And I hear this voice blaring from the the, uh, speakers. And so, um, yeah, that's one I would never read. And I would never watch again. You can take I can tell you, I can't remember the last thing I read that scared me because I don't put myself in that situation <laughs> because I don't like to be scared. But I do think, in ter- like in terms of movies, I do feel like I, the first thing that th- I thought of was I think I was genuinely scared by the Blair Witch Project, the movie. Because it's like one of those things, everybody went to see it, you know? So, of course, I had to go see it. And it was really, really scary. <laughs> but other than that, I really can't think of being scared uh, watching movies or reading something because I, I don't enjoy those. But <laughs> certainly in preparing for this episode, I have been thinking a lot about these questions about like what is considered horror and what scares us. And so far from our conversation, I'm getting the sense that, because you're right, Sylvia, even the stories that are seemingly about the ghost or the monster, ultimately, it's about the humanity, the human behavior in that, right? And I think that it, it seems to me what really scares us is like the human mind that begins to fall apart <laughs> and becomes uncontrollable and unhinged and like it can no longer be managed or, you know, reasoned with. And I think I see that sort of being a thread in a lot of these stories when like whether it's our own mind or the mind of others that we can't predict, we can't rely on to be sound. Right. And I think that's really seems to be the source of feeling scared. So then like, why do you guys think we do this to ourselves? (laughs) Like why as a society, like literature, I mean, it's a whole genre, right? Like horror, scary story, even dystopian speculative fiction it's like a whole thing and it's really popular a lot of people gravitate towards it you know so why do you guys think we do this like why do we write these scary stories why do we go to these places that are truly frightening about like what we're capable of or monsters chasing us like I mean some people I guess find it to be fun like you Laura I'm not one of those people but (laughs) I'm just so curious like why do you why do we do this to ourselves I wonder what do you guys think I did read something real quick before, and it talked a little bit about the power of catharsis. And because what the horror genre does is the scare, startle, shock, and even repulse. And actually the repulse part, I I wouldn't have guessed, but I think that's very true. So there's something cathartic about experiencing it you know, outside of ourselves, I guess, as we watch it or read it. (laughs) So like safety in scary stories, almost. Yeah, I also wonder if there's just, yeah, I wonder if there's this sort of latent religious morality behind some of it that we want to know that good can triumph over evil. And so when, you know, you have stories 
like the telltale heart. You, 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 the guy goes mad in front of the authorities and you, you, you hope that the authorities arrest him for the crime he has done. But then you have stories where that doesn't happen. And it leaves us to wonder if good and evil are uh, simultaneously on the same road and that when they cross over, maybe evil wins. I mean, how many Halloweens have there been? I thought Michael Myers <laughs> was mortal, but apparently yeah. he's not. Um, and so- the, It's immortal. So, so yeah, it's just like zombie movies, right? So when you were mm. talking about the, like when they made the remake with the zombies that ran real fast, that made it, that made it sort of kooky scary, like, because you would think rigor mortis would seep in at one point. <laughs> but the idea, <laughs> but, but, but the idea of the slow lurching zombie and that there's so many of them, no matter how far you run, they can catch up with you. And that's the thing that is, it sort of feels like there's this, I guess it's catharsis. I guess it's this moral feeling that there's always something lurking either behind us or near us that we're going to have to confront in our good selves. And, and, and sometimes I guess it just really doesn't matter. I think a lot of the stories that have come out, at least within the 20th century, have some connection to war in some say, or the disembodiment of the or the body being destroyed. Um, mm -hmm. And so it plays on certain fears. There was this book called Night Flight. I might, I think that's the name of the book. And my, me and my sister were reading it because my mom had it. And it was about this guy who could leave his body at night and just go about doing different things. And then, and I hope, I'm sorry, I'm going to ruin somebody's day by telling them the end of the story. But his body get, they think he's dead. And so he can't get back into his body. And so that's the horror. Like you, you have this this ability to get out of your body, do certain things, but what happens when you don't have access to it again? So, I mean, there's so many reasons why I think people write horror stories or write stories that are scary, but I think there's some either moral reason. If you think about the German stories, uh, you know, Hansel and Gretel, you know, they, they disobeyed and they get eaten by a witch or something like that. There's all this sort of moralism behind, I think, some of these stories and that we just mm -hmm. we want the good to win and we want the evil to lose. But sometimes it just doesn't happen. Yeah, that was very theoretical. Um, <laughs> no, but it's so true, though, the idea of like the, the moral element to them, you know, like in a lot of fables or fairy tales that have a really scary kind of origin or tone to it in terms of like scared straight, like keeping people on, you know, the, the straight and narrow, you know, don't, don't disobey or this will happen. You know, you better not mess with the supernatural because then the supernatural will mess with you, you know? And so that's a shout out to your exorcist, right? Like don't mess with the order of things or yes. things can go horribly, horribly wrong. And then there are just, I, I find that like a lot of stories, like the one you mentioned, the night flight story, I just find a lot of horror and scary stories to be also wildly imaginative in a way that mm. regular stories um, might be more confined and constrained. And maybe it's an element too of like that id kind of being let loose a little mm. bit in these scary stories when humans can really follow their truest, maybe, you know, basest nature. And that's a, a form of just being able to do whatever the heck you want. 
even if it destroys the whole world. You know, like a colleague of ours used to say, like, I don't get zombie stories because why would they eat their only food source? At some point, they're going to run out. <laughs> and you know, I was like, I think, I was like, I think that's the point, though. I think like it makes no sense. You'll just destroy yourself. Like that's Stephen King's story. You're just going to end up eating yourself. You know, it doesn't make a difference mm -hmm. at that point. And there is something to that. Letting your id fly free, I guess. But. Um, all right, everyone. Well, thank you for tuning in. And um, we hope that you have a truly scary Halloween and a read and you enjoy that. If you do read any of the stories we mentioned or if you have any scary stories that you enjoy, please drop us a comment. You can find us under Bookish A Casual Book Club on YouTube, on Facebook. And you can also catch our podcast on bookishacasualbookclub.podbean.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Till next time, see you later. Happy Halloween. <laughs> Connect with us. We are Dragon Digital Media Podcast.